from the Carter Subaru Studios, this is the G and Ursula Show with G. Scott and Ursula Voitine. It is Fresh Fridays here on the G and Ursula Show. It's the 10 o'clock hour of the show as well. Mike Lewis in for Ursula. Chef is here. Nick is here. Chris Martin is taking care of traffic. And so earlier today, before we get to our amazing guest here in a second, earlier today, we talked about the Washington State Ferries and Chef and I both guessed as to how many spots that they are probably hiring for, considering all we ever hear is how they need more people. I guessed 100. Chef guessed between 60 and 80. Mike Lewis told us the real number, which is actually four. I saw it for myself. It said four. There is an update on this, Mike. Coming up? At 1030? Well, at 1030. I think that's when we're going to talk about it at that time. Okay. All right. All right. We'll do that at 1030. But right now, the person who who we love coming on every single Friday at 10 o'clock, he is host of the Michael Medved Show, and he joins us now. Good morning, Michael. Hey, good morning. Nice to be talking to you, G. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Okay. So I'm going to tell you what... I am in the minority on when a, with a lot of discussions. Check this out. I believe that the GOP does not want Donald Trump to be their nominee in 2024. I believe that the GOP knows that if he is the candidate, there is, I don't care if President Biden is weekend at Bernie's, there is no way he would lose to Donald Trump. Most people I talk to disagree with me. Most people say, no, they want Donald Trump to be the leader. Your thoughts? I think it depends on who you talk to. I mean, there are a lot of different people who identify with the GOP. A lot of people, by the way, who are uniting uh, behind Dave Reichert to be the governor of Washington. Now, not all those people want Trump. Some of them do. And uh, the fact is, I think we're going to see that the primary is coming up with the Iowa caucuses, which are less than two weeks. And then the New Hampshire primary right after that, they aren't going to be a one way ticket, just a, a Trump, Trump, Trump all the way. It's going to be divided. It's going to be a contested primary. That, but, Michael, I believe since you want to bring up uh, Dave Reichert here at home in the state of Washington, if you have Trump. As the uh, nominee for the GOP, I think that even hurts his chances here uh, to run hurts for governor. Enormously, no question about it. Okay, we're we're starting off the new year, Grand. You okay, Michael? Man, <laughs> I'm feeling fine. <laughs> but the the truth of the matter is that there was a piece we had on Ben Smith, who uh-huh. is for Semaphore and used to write for the New York Times. Yeah, we had him on uh, earlier this week. And he is uh, attacking the media for basically this line that Donald Trump is a sealed, signed, sealed, and delivered. He's going to be the nominee. I think he could be. I think he would have, I agree with you, I think he'd have a tough time winning a general election. But uh, there are still many alternatives, and the most prominent of those alternatives right now is Nikki Haley. But Ron DeSantis is not out of the running, and it's not at all impossible that the Republican Party goes in a different direction. Michael, who does, uh, if the, if Joe Biden is, and I assume he will be, if Joe Biden is the Democratic nominee, who does Joe Biden prefer to run against? Trump. 
<laughs> Don't you think so? Yes, I think so. I, I, I yes, think so. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, I mean, Trump, Trump Trump has so many unique vulnerabilities as a candidate. He, he is likely to have to spend a great deal of time during uh, this presidential campaign in a courtroom defending himself against felony charges. And uh, this is just not one legal proceeding. It's a whole series of legal proceedings, plus the entire question now, which is going to have to go to the Supreme Court about whether he's going to be allowed on the ballot at all, even in primary elections. So, uh, again, uh, do I think that he will probably prevail in that ballot eligibility case? Yes, I think probably Trump will prevail. But the whole idea of running against somebody who is also uh, running to try to be declared not guilty on a various series of uh, some pretty serious charges, that's, that's something that I think Joe Biden is looking forward to. Michael, I'd, I'd like to you to do a bit of a thought experiment with us here, because you're a person who, who references um, your religious beliefs. Part of the modern, part of the most recent polling regarding President Trump um, is in, involves people who consider themselves, uh, <laughs> they consider him the leading candidate of faith, 64%, something like this, among people polled. Tell me how, make the argument for, <laughs> not, you could, you've made the argument against it. I've heard that one before, and I agree with you on that. But make the argument, I mean, try and find some place, a different reality, a parallel universe, and make the argument in favor of why someone would see him as the ideal man of faith sort of candidate. It's not based upon who he is. It's not based on his character. It's based on his willingness to fight which is what people who like Trump like about him, as that he's a fighter, he's uh, going in there, and he's going to protect people. And, and part of this comes from a general sense of a lot of Christian believers in this country that uh, right now Christianity is under attack, that there are people who are radical secularists, who are anti-religious, who uh, don't hold uh, to uh, traditional religious standards on issues like the nature of marriage or the nature of gender, uh, that mm-hmm. when you feel under attack, what you want is uh, a tough guy who is going to stand for you. Now, he may not be the guy you hire for that purpose, may not be an ideal example himself of religious faith, but this is this is what people say. Uh, I, I think it's a shame, frankly, because I consider myself kind of an old-style Republican who believes that character counts and that uh, most of the people we've nominated recently for president, uh, very much including President Reagan and President George Herbert Walker Bush and John McCain and Mitt Romney, these were people of real character and achievement where people admired them. You ain't going to throw Obama in there? I, I said people who were nominated by Republicans. Sure, you could show. Them. I just want to And uh, no question about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, the one thing that um, I think it's kind of hard to say mm-hmm. is that Barack Obama. I mean, again, they were looking desperately for areas of vulnerability, and that's how they came up with this birther thing. You, you've I heard knew, that I they, knew you were going there. 
Well, you've heard that they today uh, there are people on the Trump side of the Republican Party who are trying to say Nikki Haley is ineligible to run for president. Yeah. Okay. Well, well speaking, which well, speaking, is nonsense. By speaking, the way. Yeah. Speaking of Nikki Haley, uh, she uh, has appeared in a CNN town hall and was asked to defend an answer that she gave recently on the cause of the Civil War, which oh, she no. answered without answering slavery. Now, as we recall, a, a week ago or so, Chris Christie uh, kind of attacked her for it. He said that Nikki didn't have the guts to mention slavery because she knows some of her voters don't want her to talk about it. Here's her response in the CNN town hall. No one's ever said that I am unwilling to offend. I offend plenty of people because I call people out when they do something wrong. Um, What I will tell you is Chris Christie is from New Jersey. I should have said slavery right off the bat. But if you grow up in South Carolina, literally in second and third grade, you learn about slavery. You grow up and you have, you know, I had black friends growing up. It is a very talked about thing. We have a big history in South Carolina when it comes to, you know, slavery, when it comes to all the things that happened with the Civil War, all that. I was over, I was thinking past slavery. Michael, can I give a PSA for those out there listening at home? Once you say I had black friends coming up, discussion's over. (laughs) I got another question regarding that. MG, Mike, Jeff, you can all weigh in on this. Should we just start putting that on our LinkedIn profiles? That you, I have black friends or I, I mean, have you, gay you, friends. You have, I, you have a black friend. You came to my house. That's true. That's yep. true. All right. Yes. <laughs> Michael, your, your, your thoughts on that answer? Uh, again, I don't know why she's having such a tough time with this issue. Uh, when she's asked about the Civil War, the right answer is this. We had a Civil War because there were a lot of people primarily located in the South, but not exclusively in the South who loved the institution of slavery more than they loved the federal union. And they were willing to break the country apart to protect slavery. That's it. That's simple. That's not a complicated answer. And if you, if you, if she does end up uh, disappointing people with her performance in the Iowa caucuses and the New Hampshire primary, I think her difficulty with this issue is going to uh, have a tough, a real, really contribute to that process. This is one of those that shouldn't. I mean, this was the easy. This, I mean, the fact that we're still talking about this answer lets me know, like Nikki Haley, are you sure you're ready for this spot as president? Because this was you're a, right. this was a easy. This was a layup in the basketball world. Hey, little Johnny, <laughs> just go up there and make a layup with your good hand and do it there, Mike Lewis. I like the actual extra detail with your good hand. <laughs> Anyone who's seen someone make the offhand layup understands what G's talking about. Michael, I've got a, I've got a question for you. Then, then, so what was Reagan? Reagan's nickname was what? The Great Communicator, right? Yeah, among can, others. Can you, can you, the Gipper as well, right? Can you promise us that that should uh, Nikki Haley move further along, can you somehow assign her the nickname the Great Equivocator? <laughs> uh, no, I think it's no. already been been taken by many, many other many people. Many other people, that's fair, fair point. But the point is, this is not an issue where there's any need to equivocate. Right. Oh. Uh, and again, it, it is so absurd 
that and her her answer when she said that the civil war was about individual rights and individual liberties what about the right to hold other human beings as property i i, I mean if there is one thing we have learned as a nation uh over the last hundred years in particular it's uh that slavery was a monstrous evil and that we should be proud of those people who worked against that evil and ashamed of those people who defended it and which is which is why uh, by, by the way they're removing and in the process of removing the names of confederate generals and federal military uh, bases military bases yep. and we're uh, removing some of the uh, of statues honoring so-called Confederate heroes, the term "Confederate hero" should be oh, <laughs> banished from the language. Agree. You, you you can't be a hero if you were willing to risk your life and sometimes give your life for the sake of destroying the United States of America. Speaking of trying to destroy the United States of America, I don't know if maybe if you're listening and you still believe that January 6th was just a tourist attraction, but there's some new polling, Brother Mike, that's showing that loyalty to Donald Trump and January 6th rioters among GOP voters has risen in the last three years. A full third of Americans now believe Joe Biden is not the legitimate president. And 25% believe the FBI instigated the January 6th insurrection. Uh, I read the same thing, and I'm planning to talk about it on the air today. And... (laughs) You know what, Mike? You, you've been one thing I love about you. When you give me that laugh, I already know you. you that, that's your way of just. Oh, gee. Oh, how can I, what can I say? I love your uncomfortable laugh. No, but this is very uncomfortable. The um, I, there, there, there's a conservative commentator who we're going to have on the air today, mm-hmm. uh, who's named Amanda Marcote who is uh, calls the belief of the FBI involvement asinine, which is, of course, entirely true. Here's, here's the basic thing I have to anybody who has doubts out there about what actually happened on January 6th, is that we have now had 700 Americans who have pleaded guilty. Okay, why would you plead guilty if this was an inside job, why, why would you not say, hey, wait, I'm, I'm not guilty. Look, it's the FBI who did it. No one has said that. Not a single individual. Not Ray Epps, who is uh, being prosecuted right now. No one. And again, this is so well documented. They have, what is it, 40,000 hours worth of videotape. And you can see it, uh, and you have the 700 guilty pleas. Why would you plead guilty if you had some knowledge or understanding that this was an FBI conspiracy? But, it, I mean, isn't this sort of a larger problem? I mean, like, yes. I, the, the whole idea that people see 
conspiracy now, and I think that's because it's become such a trope in popular culture and in movies that there's always some sort of secret, ultra-secret, super-soldier government agency that does these sort of things that you know change world uh, policy and practice. I mean, I feel like in some ways, in the way that CSI has had an effect, literally has had an effect in the way juries see court cases, that I think pop culture and this whole idea of of the hidden government that is that is you know like pulling the uh, marionette strings. I mean, do you think that? I mean, and I'm not being facetious here. Do you think, think there's a larger issue regarding that that people don't want to see what's right in front of them? I, I do think that, and I think that the large part of the motivation for pursuing these conspiracies is uh, the desire to get clicks to get attention in social media because the whole idea is they, the same poll by the way showed that about 15% of all Americans still believe the uh, conspiracy of QAnon that there are a group of satanic pedophiles who are ruling the world and drinking the blood of uh, disappeared and human trafficked children yeah. and there's just there's just nothing you can say to people uh, I, when they have gone over to the dark side and they believe that crap. I can't specifically say who, but I know a lawyer who has had clients that were, you know, for the January 6th deal. And some of those conversations that happen around that is just like, uh, I guess my point is, is, is Michael... You even you said it. Seven hundred people have pled guilty, and we still have grown adults. And by the way, two hundred others have been convicted in trials. I, I mean, we still have grown adults, like like adults, like these are adults, like you know, you know, they're over eighteen, they're over twenty one, and they really still continue to say things like, "Yeah, you, you know, Biden's not the president. You know, it was stolen." You know, I have, I have, I mean, I want to conclude with this. My slogan for the election of 2024, make America sane again. I mean, I don't disagree with you, Michael. Michael, well, so, but, but hold the wait, 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 Mike, I got to call you out on that, though. So the whole again thing, if they just dropped that. Like make America great, or make because it was never yeah, great sure. nor sane. So nor sane. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> nor yeah, sane. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, if yeah. we could really just work on dropping the again, I yeah, think we're there. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Michael, we always appreciate you coming on with us, brother. Happy New Year to you and your family, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, and Happy New Year to you. Thank you, Michael. All right. Uh, coming up next, uh, remember we were talking about the amount of job uh, uh, listings that are there for the Washington State Ferry. Well. My man, Mike Lewis, showed me there was four, three of them in King County. One of them were in Yakima. Well, we have an update on that, so we will share that next. This is Gia Nurse's Show with Mike Lewis. scenarios that happens at 1047 we get an opportunity to judge other people's lives it is fresh fridays here happy new year because mike lewis is here filling in for ursula there's huge games that's going on on both on sunday and on monday first we're going to start off with introducing who the person is going to help us out with those questions 
Mike Salk, he is the best half of the Brock and Salk show wow. on our uh, <laughs> Seattle Sports Station. Oh, best looking half. Yeah, yeah. you are pretty good looking, yeah. especially with the beard. Yeah. All right, Mike Lewis, w- excuse me, Mike Salk. Yeah. Which game do you want to talk about first? You want to talk about the UW game hey, or you want to talk about the Seahawks game? It's your show, man. Let's go Seahawks first. All right, they um, play first. How do you feel about the Seahawks traveling to Arizona? They need that game. They need to win that game for a playoff and they need some help. How do you feel? I don't feel great. I mean, I don't feel what like do you they're, mean you don't feel great. I don't feel like they're going to lose or anything, but I think it's going to be a game, and it, and that's sort of the problem, right? Arizona's four and twelve. Yeah, they're not supposed to be very good. Their 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 quarterback's not very good. They weren't even really trying to win this year. It seemed like they were basically trying to tank and kind of start the whole rebuild process, and mm-hmm. instead. You know, yeah, they can run the ball. It's the one thing they can do. And I don't know if you watch the Seahawks on Sunday. They gave up 202 yards on the ground, including 130-something after contact. Mm. So, yeah, I, I do have some concerns. That doesn't mean they're going to lose the game. But I think it's going to take a pretty significant effort for them to win it. So I, I actually haven't been following the math closely enough. If the Seahawks win, they're in. No, 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 that's the what Seahawks I thought. Win, so, so the, what else needs to happen? Then they need Chicago to beat Green Bay. Yes, but it's simple. It's that. That's it. There's not like a complicated, convoluted simple. thing. You win, and Chicago wins. You're in. Once and if win. Seahawks lose, no way they're in. Out. No, they're, they're out. out. Once, they're once out. again, depending on an NFC North team to come oh, through, Lions to beat came Green through. Bay. That's depressing. To beat Green Bay. Yeah, right? right. So there's that. Okay. So this game implications. They need to win this game. Is there anything before we get off this topic? That you see that the Seahawks are doing well mm. that could give us confidence that they can win. Jeez. I'm, th- well, I'm just trying to I think. Mean, I mean, I mean you, you, know like, you, you, you know what? No, no, Gino, hey, no, this is painful. Gino played a really good game on Sunday. Yeah. Gino might have played his best game of the year on Sunday. Seriously, I thought Gino played a really good game. I've been hard on him at times this year. I really love what he's done in those two minute drill situations where he's been phenomenal. I thought that was his most complete game of the year from the beginning to the end. It was against a pretty good defense. He got the ball out quickly. He made really good decisions. He was very accurate with the football. I thought Gino had one of his, if not his best game of the year. Unfortunately, it was marred by one sack fumble, which wasn't entirely his fault at the end of the game, and a defense that was non-competitive for most of the 60 minutes. So, yeah, that's sort of the one positive right now. But, you know, the NFL's week to week. Your problem this week can be your strength the next, and if they are able to turn some of those things around, get yourself into the playoffs and see what happens. Do the Seahawks... Based on this game and getting into the playoffs, does that change their calibration for who's quarterback next year? I don't know whether that game will, although it would change certainly your draft position, which I guess could change what's available to you to draft in order to to, to bring in the next quarterback. I don't know if that would change for next year. I think Geno's probably back next year either way. I don't know if I'd say that's 100% true, but I would say he's probably back next year. Um, but that doesn't mean you wouldn't draft somebody to eventually replace him if that person is available. Look, if the Seahawks right now, if the, dra- if the draft was today, the Seahawks, I think, would pick 15th. If they lose, depending on some other things, that, that draft pick could be 10 or 11, somewhere mm. in that range. Mm. If Michael Penix is there, if J.J. McCarthy is there, I'm not as wild about McCarthy, but if but if Penix is there, I got to tell you, I'm I, G knows this. Every year, 
Seattle sports fans just want the Seahawks to take whoever, whatever random Husky happens to be available. <laughs> and I'm generally like, no, like I always thought Jake Locker's not going to make a good pro quarterback. And all I heard is Jake Locker, Jake Locker, Jake Locker. I'm like, please no. I'll tell you what. Michael Penix is the real deal. He is going to be a better NFL quarterback than he was a college quarterback. His game translates so well to the NFL. I agree. I would love to have him here in Seattle. But but is he, let's just go ahead and then switch over to, to the University of Washington to follow up then. He's not hanging around till 11, is he? He, well, it depends who you ask. The thing about Michael Penix is that he's had two ACL injuries and he's 25 years old. Which is a lot older. Think about. I think he's older than Lamar Jackson, or at the very least, he's about the same age. So think about how long ago Lamar came into the league and won the MVP. You know, NFL guys are sort of like NBA talent scouts. They love upside, and so he's he's probably reached a lot of his upside already. And he's got the injury issue. So depending on who you ask, he is anywhere from a top five pick to a second round or even third round grade because of the injury scare. So my guess is he's somewhere in between those things. I don't think he lasts to 15, but could he last to 10 or 11? He could. Certainly possible. So it sounded like the Seahawks win if... Geno Smith plays really well. Well, I don't know. I think they win if they can actually stop the run. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah, they got run all over. Okay, well, let's go with the Huskies. The University of Washington Huskies win if... You know, it's funny. This game has been so much, you know, so much of the of the of the prep for this game and analysis is about the great Husky offense and the great Michigan defense. Right. The Husky offense spreading it out with their three guys and everybody else they throw at you. Panic's thrown for 300 yards. It feels like every single week. Roma Dunze is a stud. Jalen and Jalen are both fantastic. I mean, like they have a heck of an offense. And the Michigan defense, number one, they get after the passer. They hit hard. You know what they do? Their corners hit. Man, were they out smacking everybody, all those receivers from Alabama last week. So that's the marquee matchup. I wonder if this is one of those games, though, where it's the flip side that actually determines who wins the Husky defense against that Michigan offense. Mm. Husky defense is good. It's not great. Michigan offense is not great either, but they're great at one thing, and that's running the ball. And that's not really something the Huskies have had to deal with much this season. Mm-hmm. I think if Texas had been a little more disciplined and run the ball more, it looked like they were that's running a different game. They were last doing week. very well with the run. Yeah, and that yeah. that what's his name Quinn Ewers? Mm-hmm. That dude couldn't hit the broadside of a barn mm-hmm. if he put any pressure on him. Mm-hmm. So I I I wonder if this is one of those games where it's not the marquee matchup; it's the secondary matchup that actually determines the win. I'll, I'll, I'll say this, and for some reason, when people are talking about the University of Washington and their offense, it is amazing to me how one name doesn't come up. Every, you, you talk about Michael Penix Jr., you talk about the receivers, you talk about the offensive coordinator, Dylan Johnson. Yeah, pretty good. My goodness, he runs hard, He's, he's so consistent. He doesn't have does it all. He's a great, great yeah, running back. Totally agree. Mike, what do you got going on the rest of the day, man? Nothing. What? Nap time. You go take a nap? <laughs> go take a nap. Yeah, it's that's Friday. what I do. Yes. You're a napper what just you, like. Well, I mean, I wake up at 4 o'clock in the yeah, morning. Yeah, I go home and I sleep for three So what hours. do the girls have on tap for you this weekend? Ah, I got Cecily's basketball game. You guys don't know. If you haven't watched fourth grade girls basketball, <laughs> Mike, 
Yes. I know you're a soccer and hockey type guy. I'm a basketball guy. But before all you, those. But what you like about that is like the explosion when there's the occasional goal. Yes. That is fourth grade girls basketball. <laughs> Final score eight to six. Eight to four. Yeah. <laughs> so when every time somebody scores. A- <laughs> so could you could you actually come back with us and tell me, <laughs> give me the stats on the leading score? The leading score. I think it's B. Can you no. do it? Can you do a box I, score? On the it? coolest thing. The coolest thing. When I think it's two three weeks ago. Yeah. He sends me a video yeah. of his daughter scoring. Cecily first bucket. And it was and it was awesome. Yeah. That That's was after she picked up four fouls in like a minute. And, and a what half. what's the height of the rim for them. 10 feet. Ten, ten yeah. feet? Oh, yeah, no, they play full, yeah. full Oh, height. wow. Oh, yeah. Dude, they get after it. Yeah. Mike Salk, appreciate you, brother. See you next week, man. All right. That's good stuff. Always good to have Salk along with us. Uh, let's get to scenarios. Uh, this scenario, someone writes in and says their child is starting to swear. What do you do? What do you do, chef, when Matthew starts to give oh, some, I'm sure he already some swear words? <laughs> <laughs> What we talk about? I feel targeted. <laughs> we do that next. Mike Lewis in for Ursa's Genius Show. Scenarios is brought to you by 1-800-DUI-AWAY. Happy Fresh Fridays. So we were talking about the Washington State Ferries and the amount of jobs that they have listed, right? And Chef and I, we weren't ready for Mike Lewis to come with like real receipts on what's going on and the job postings. Well, they have four. But all the time, Chef and I, when we do this show all the time, we're always talking about, hey, they need to hire people, hire people, hire people. And Mike Lewis is like, yeah, but they have four job postings. So Mike Lewis has a response. And at the top of the hour, we're going to get to the bottom of that. And I'm going to really ask questions because they don't reach out to me, but they reach out to Mike. But scenarios. Here we go, yo. Here we go, yo. So what, so what, so what's the scenario? So... I curse a lot. I always have. Just want to be honest and very transparent. My dad taught me to swear, and I'm pretty good at it. Taught? Taught. Sounds like, sounds like, kid, you're not pronouncing that quite. You really need to have the accent on the K. Sounds like their dad is named Chef. By the way, Chef has rubbed rubbed off on me. I swear more because of you. Shenanigans. Yeah. Uh, My husband says I need to clean it up, but I haven't been able to. Truth be told... I don't want to because I like it. It's my superpower. But there is a problem. My kids are starting to pick it up. The school called about my seven-year-old daughter calling her teacher the B word, and that wasn't good. Now my daughter got it wrong. I didn't say it like that. I said that her teacher was a B Oh, my goodness. Was a B word and trash. Ooh, I can't even say some of this stuff. Come on. I'm better than that. The school asked where she learned that language, and my daughter told them that she learned it from me. She picks on my daughter because she is the only uh, child in class that I believe doesn't make as money, much money as the others. Well, at least their families. Well, if the shoe fits, you know, here's the thing. 
I shouldn't have been cussing, and I shouldn't have been saying it around my daughter, but I did, and I can't take it back. My husband says that uh, I need to change my ways, but I am trying to stop. So, can't we just teach our kids the right situations and use the right language instead of taking this easy way out of the problem? I know, but I just need help with the situation. 888-973-5476 is the Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line. Mike, you're up to bat first. This letter, it's this is this is one is it's not that it's difficult to piece apart, piece apart, it's just, or or tear apart. It's where do you start first? Like the whole idea of creating some sort of counter narrative as to why the teacher doesn't like her. All right, let's just set that aside. Let's know I can deal with that. If you swear in front of your kids, one hundred percent, they will swear. One hundred percent, they're going to pick up everything you say. My, weirdly enough, my dad, who did. Swear! I heard my dad swear, and I'm not exaggerating here, twice in my entire life. My dad was not, like, a guy. My dad got into, like, regular bar fights. It's not, but he didn't swear in the household. Ever swear in the household, except when my sister crashed her Mustang, and then he did. But... But the point is that, so I didn't grow up swearing much. My my friends never, rarely heard me swear. I swear a lot more now than I used to then. I don't understand why, like, if you're going to swear in front of your kids, they're going to pick it up 100%. So you've got to find a way to either not swear in front of them, because if you swear in front of them, it's sort of like the smoking thing. You know, if you have, if your parents grew up, you grew up and your parents were smoking, and then they told you not to smoke, you're still going to smoke, right? So if they're still going to swear, so just stop swearing at home. It's not a superpower. It's no one's superpower, unless we're all superheroes when we're in traffic, right? Yeah. Uh, so you want me to give this guy advice yeah. based on my own personal experience? By the way, it's a real awkward conversation when, you know, like a first grade teacher is like, hey, I need to talk to you about something that happened in class. Where do you think he could have picked it up from? And then they look at you like, I know darn well where he picked it up from. And it was you, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. I feel like I'm in. Tra- here's, I, here's how I explain it to my son. I explain that there are adult words and there are child words, just like there are adult beverages and there are child beverages, right? And I don't honestly believe that there is anything wrong with swearing. The only thing wrong with swearing is that it is socially unacceptable in a lot of places. Because if you if you talk, if you have any a little kid, they make up their own swear words. People who do not swear, swear all the time. They just say other words like, gosh darn it. With the same exact even, inflection, even cartoons swearing have yes. their own cartoon swearing. Right. right, it's it's a part of the human vernacular, but knowing when it is appropriate to use it is a skill that has to be taught. Uh, and I've just tried to explain to Matthew, like, hey, these are not words that we say in X Y Z situations as an adult, and we don't say them ever as a child. The bigger thing, though, is we don't call people names. So I don't care if you're calling the teacher the B word or you're calling her stupid, both are unacceptable and I think both are equally bad. It's just one has more social freight that gets carried with it. Anybody that's sitting here saying and trying to justify to your kids, uh, well, that's adult language. Um, that is the most... Anyone like me? Yeah. <laughs> don't don't try it. Why? Your kids... <laughs> no, no. Because your kids are going to do what you do. Probably the best lesson that I ever got from my father was champ, remember... Everything that your kids see you do, they are going to do. They're at least going to try it. And 
one of the specific, a specific example was he says, remember you're growing up and you played on all those sports teams? How many times did you hear me talk bad about any of your coaches? I said, never. He says, you want to know why? Because if I talk bad about the coach, then you are going to think bad about the coach, and then you're not going to pick up anything from that coach because I've already talked bad about the coach. And that's the one thing that I took from him. Like, if you're a parent and you have a child on the team, if you talk bad about your coach, about the coach, your kid is going to not get his coach well because they don't think the coach is any good because you, the parent, said so. Nick? Well, sometimes you're going to run into the no-filter zone with people, and it's hard to break those bad habits, especially when you don't want to be the assertive one changing their behavior. But at the end of the day, it can be offensive. It's not a contribution to society, just a hindrance. So good luck changing him, but for the time being, don't be surprised for these dirty outbursts in the near future. Who to swear from, G? Who? Who'd you learn from? Public school. Not my parents. Yeah, your pa- I know your parents. That's right. Your parents didn't swear. Yeah, you know, I, I heard a little one from my dad every now and then, but so for I me, mean, kids, kids hear it. So period. M- for in my household, my mom swore constantly, but my dad. And now you're blaming me. You're saying I'm the influence I've, I've on you never, at this late age in your life. I've <laughs> never. Ne- by never, I mean literally never did I hear my mom swear. Not anything even approaching swearing. Not even some sort of like word that you would use instead of yeah. swearing, like frickin'. You know, none of it. My dad, never once my, in my childhood. My dad, twice. My dad didn't swear, and so I, I, I think that I kind of grew up with that. My dad didn't swear. My dad didn't. I know sometimes, you know, you guys hear black folks in music, you know, sometimes with this music or terms of endearment, sometimes you might hear us say the N word, you know, as you're talking to your friends. My father didn't use that either. I literally just wanted to be my dad. Yeah. Right. Everything my dad did, I wanted to be him. So those habits transferred to me. And I don't know if I did a good job like my dad did. For I, my I think, kids. but swearing's power comes from the fact that it's socially unacceptable. I don't want it to be socially acceptable. Yeah. I like the fact that it is a, it is stepping outside normal language yeah. to make a point. All right, coming up next, we do agree to disagree. It is the general show. Just alone, just alone,